across the nation on RadioHarrow.org and on your smart speaker, recorded from a secret bunker in Ealing Broadway. This is a review. Hello, this is your boy, Davy Boy Stone. Hello, this is Ian uh, Stone. That's my surname too. And this is a review. We've been gone for a long while, actually, since last year, but we are back with more reviews to entertain the nation. And can you believe we are still at home? A whole year after we started making these review shows, we are still at home. Ian, what have we learned? Um, we've learned very little. I mean, we've learned just the depths to which your hatred for the um, Star Wars prequels goes. Um, we've learned um, that the best way to um, rank um, the quality of TV shows and other things is to use the patented Tiger King character reference uh, rating scale. And we've learned that um, we will be in perpetual lockdown forever, it seems. <laughs> um <laughs> but hopefully they're not much longer. I've got my first dose of the jab already. I know you also do. So, you know, at least there is light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's very true. By the way, I should explain the show to you all. Uh, this is a review. is a show that was born out of a show that I had on Radio Harrow called This Is Your Show. It's been so long I haven't done it. I haven't done it in so long that uh, I've forgotten what it was called, which in turn was a spin-off of This Is A Show, which is a show Ian and I originally created when we just talk absolute rubbish, basically. But it has evolved into this. This is a review where in our episodes we review a bit of telly, a bit of film, and to be honest, it usually turns out to be quite rubbish stuff we watch. And as Ian alluded to, we have done the Star Wars prequels previous to this, which took up six gloriously annoying shows for me and i thought to start this new year off even though it's april uh, the new year of recordings off we would do something a bit different just to give ourselves and the listener a breather something different from star wars so before i reveal what we're reviewing today ian you alluded to the tiger king rating system in which you and i kind of use to eventually rate the shows at the end of the shows. Do you want to explain the rankings and how they work so that they know for after the show? Well, you know, they do kind of um, align with your classic um, out of five star rating scale. So Just overcomplicate it. <laughs> well, no, I actually think it makes it even better because you kind of have a sense of what those what those ratings actually mean. So if something is one star, that is Jeff Lowe and Joe Exotic, just like the worst of the worst, trash human beings, you know, this is garbage. Um, for the next rating up, for the so the two-star equivalent, you have, um, oh, is it uh, Don Lewis? I can't remember the guy's name. Was it Don Lewis? I think it was his um, attorney rifling through potentially fraudulent power of attorney documents, two-star. Uh, Three-star for something that's um, solidly decent. You have uh, John Reinker's um, cool um, artificial legs. For four stars, one of my personal favorites, this is some stuff that's really, really good. You have um, Joe Exotic's ex-husband's shiny, dazzling, pearly white new teeth. And of course, five star um, is James Garretson riding on a jet ski. Um, and the question is, is what we are reviewing today, is it James Garretson riding on a jet ski good? Because uh, something has to be really good to be that good. 
Well, we will see, but I will say once again that it's got to be virtually for anything to reach that, virtually impossible for anything to reach that level from my perspective. I'm trying to think how many things have actually reached above my special, my special Hayden Christensen bin of shame. <laughs> so, uh, well, that was in the um, Star Wars universe anyway, so we'll see how this maybe. goes. <laughs> so we should probably get into this review, I guess. That's right, guys. <laughs> We've gone ultra meta. Yes, we have. We are going to review people reviewing stuff. Well, I say reviewing stuff. We have watched people watching telly. We're reviewing Gogglebox. That's right. I decided that we should totally spin the genre on its head and review, <laughs> watch people watch telly. We have reviewed series 17, episode 9. This program has been going on forever. But we, I thought it'd be a good idea because, yeah, because, look, we're going to be all cool and hip and modern and we're going to do something that maybe has never been done before, review a review show. But I will pass over to you, Ian, and you can get us started as usual with our review. Well, I mean, we are reactioning this a bit, aren't we? We're reacting to people reacting. <laughs> it does handicap um, our criticism a little bit because... You can't really criticise the format when we are the format. Well, yeah, that's the thing. When will it end? Will it end with people reviewing us? Will it be a constant circle? And you've actually reminded me of one thing. I will add a little disclaimer to what I'm about to say in this review at the start. Right, here it is. <laughs> I'm okay. sure all or most or some of the people in Gogglebox who participate who are the general public appearing on television for us i'm sure they're all perfectly nice lovely people okay but what i am reacting to in this review is the way they act on camera it's not an indictment against them i'm sure they're lovely in real life but i did get annoyed by a lot of them so i'm only gonna speak about you know the stuff that annoyed me and so if it seemed i'm being harsh on these people I just want to say everyone's open to criticism. You can be harsh on me in the same way if you want to. But I am going to critique these people. It's not at all an indictment on their personalities. It's just the way they come across on this program. Okay, Ian, take it away. I mean, to be honest with you, my first thought on this show, right, is I was going into this with like the attitude that you have kind of outlined there that I might be a bit harsh on these people. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, they're not memorable to me at all mm-hmm. in any way. So I, I don't know how you want to do this. So I have loads of like general thoughts on Gogglebox, but I may as well kind of intersperse them with well, kind d- of a summary of the episode. Or yeah, just br- kind of going... d- yeah, j- just bring it, bring those those thoughts because yeah, this episode didn't necessarily feature all of the thoughts I have as a a universal critique of Gogglebox the program itself but it certainly brought some of those problems up as the episode went along so why don't you just do as we do normally go through the episode and we can put things in as we go yeah so I've kind of put on my notes here like that there's an opening skit thing to this oh god yeah and I forgot to write down what it was (laughs) okay is it Pete and um Sophie who they go to I have no idea I have no idea what their names are, but I can tell you that this is one of the families I'm going to be frequently going back to during this review. It's the family from Manchester who have the dogs. Okay. 
And this family, I, I won't reveal why they annoy me so much yet, but they are possibly the most annoying group on this program. And remember, just, just going to put that disclaimer in there again. This isn't a critique on them personalities. I've never met the people. It's just how they come across on this program to me. They annoy the hell out of me watching this TV show. So just put that. So, yeah, they're singing happy birthday to a little, oh, a little child yeah, on yeah, it at the start, which is fine. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know why they did it at the start of this episode. We don't know the kids, but I mean, whatever. It's kind of like hits to my thing that like the characters in this are, you know, they're supposed to be hilarious because they're real people. <laughs> Um, yes, which makes them funny, I guess. That's but, the um, nature of television these they, days. This is we'll get more into this later. But yeah, as I say, there's like they don't do anything that sticks in my mind at all. Um, I've made a note here, so I'm I think um, Pete and Sophie, the siblings from Blackpool, um, must have appeared first because Far, uh, hang on, they must have appeared five thousand <laughs> times in this episode. Well, yeah, because I think Gogglebox, I think. Gogglebox must have um they have their favorites right it would so, seem so and uh pete and sophie are obviously big favorites of favorites mm. of the producers mm -hmm. because they uh appear a lot the okay do you know what sorry is... sorry <laughs> we bet we we do this every time we barely start but i've just got to say Okay, because it doesn't actually come up as much as it normally does with these two. As you said, they are definitely the producer's favourites, right? I do not... I'm, yeah, I'm just going to get my mean critique, whatever you want to call it, out of the way. I do not get them at all. I've spoken to numerous people who wa have watched Gogglebox who absolutely love these two. But I, I think the way they come across, remember, people is that he is his own biggest fan. He thinks he's hilarious. And his sister also thinks he's hilarious. And that laugh, fair enough, people can't help their laughs, but my God, does it great after a while. But I just don't get it. It, it feels very, they feel very much like they play to the camera to me, but it's not actually the real them. And I think that's what bugs me the most about them. And so they kind of know they're there to be entertaining. So they're trying to be entertaining and crack the one-liners. And it just doesn't work for me at all. But then other people love them. So I don't know if it's me or if I just need to lighten up a bit or whether there's something really deep I'm missing. I don't know. So I had a few things to say, actually. So um, on that first point, on the fact that, you know, they put on an act, I think a lot of people in this show um, are trying very hard to be a meme and some of them work well as a meme to me and mm. then some of them don't. And on Pete and Sophie, well, it's basically Pete, to be honest with you. I, I love how you remember His haircut, their names. <laughs> um, I made a note of their names. I didn't remember their names. Oh, okay, I right. remember only, I, 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 I kind of like um, bury the lead a bit here, but the only people who I remember the names were um, Jenny and, and um, Lee who are my the two favourite characters. Yeah. The caravan people. They're the, they're the two I, I, I actually like. But, oh, okay. That's interesting. I'm surprised you like those two. Because cause Lee actually made me chuckle, but I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was in this episode or in like some kind of clip I've seen of them. Mm. Um, so the first thing, Pete's haircut. Ridiculous. <laughs> I think I used to have a haircut like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very straight and very kind of Lego character-y, I will say. Ish. Secondly... 
he's got like the voice of an old man and the personality of an old man but he's trapped in a 20-somethings body. I don't get it. I don't think he's got but... the personality of an old man. I think, he's well... just, as I said, he just likes to crack one-liners, which yeah. never land with me. This is a review. First show, show number one. Game of Talents. This game show looks like trash. <laughs> And it oh, great. made me realise one of the few things that we have that this show is actually really good for is like providing things that we should review on this podcast. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do you remember... oh, that was that was great with this program, yeah, yeah. And it also brought me back to one of our earlier the earlier podcasts we did. But this is a show. Um, when we rev- when we went through um, the list of the top five worst TV game shows, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, would this one make the cut? I mean, it has all of the hallmarks. Possibly, but Vernon K. Vernon K. Hosting ridiculous contrived format. I will I'll bring in at this point. I'll bring in my point about the Manchester family while I'm here. Okay, the thing, the single-handed thing that annoys me the most about it, and it is that annoying cake display that they have in every single episode of Gogglebox. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh. Please don't tell well, me you've never noticed the cake display. Well, I did. So before watching this episode in preparation, I thought I'd go on YouTube and watch some of the um, some like best of clips from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I noticed their delicious looking cakes in that when I did that. I didn't Notice it this time. I didn't realise it was a thing. So clearly it is a thing. So this family always have a display of very nice looking cakes in front of them. But you can tell that they are merely there for the television. Not once have I ever seen that plate with a cake removed from it. And not once have I seen those cakes not anally sorted in the most neat way possible it does my head in and it's always a different set of cakes they buy cakes for the television they buy cakes to be recorded to look nice on telly you never see one of them eating them whatsoever and there were several different examples in this episode they had i think i counted four different types of cake throughout this episode four like, not the same cake display. They didn't just use up old ones. So that means for one episode of Gogglebox, they had, they bought at least four different types of cake. They must be not even eating themselves out of house and home with these cakes because they're not eating them. They're just buying them, putting them on my plate, and God knows what they do with them afterwards. But it just annoys me. You never see one of them eating a cake during the show. Why? And also... The cakes aren't even on a table. They don't even have a coffee table to put. So they go to all the effort of putting these cakes on a lovely plate to display, arranging it in the most visually attractive way. And then they put it on the buffet in front of them. There's no coffee table. (laughs) There's no normal table. It's a neatly, anally arranged display of cakes on a buffet. And that is why I can't stand them. I'm going to um, make sure I bring my Pereiro Rocher um, to our next recording and arrange it next to me <laughs> in a big triangle. In a big pyramid. I, again, 
I I didn't notice any of the um the characters like watching the shows. I just kind of have notes on the shows themselves. So yeah, this, I kind of went more into that as well. Yeah. Show, right? yeah. So I know that like the people watching are supposed to be I I mean they basically state the obvious and they kind of you know a bit like those list shows that they used to show a lot of they basically tell me what I'm watching. Yeah. Um and they all seem to fall in inverted commas for the very obvious ploy of the show where they have this they're judging this like who is the real wrestler out of this like panel of you know people they bring on. And mm-hmm. um it's very obviously not going to be the gigantic the muscle bound man. Yeah. yeah. It's just an obvious ploy. Well, especially they if they felt... know anything about wrestling, which is that these days wrestlers tend to be a bit smaller and i knew as soon as the actual wrestler said that he trained with anthony agogo that he was the actual wrestler because anthony agogo has just started wrestling for aew so i'm like that is something that only a wrestler would know or a wrestling fan would know so yeah i mean that's just me having the the insider knowledge i guess but um Uh you well, knew it was going to be the camp one, didn't you? Let's face it. To be honest with you, I freaking loved the camp wrestler. I <laughs> thought he was awesome. Because <laughs> I've kind of realised that, like, wrestling is, like, the most campy thing ever. But there, there is a distinct lack of actual camp wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> there used to be more of them. Anyway. Oh, well, um, there were two other things I noticed during this ses- section. So um, Marcus and, um, and Mika... I think they're the Londoners. Marcus made a classic, a classic Bolton error by mixing um, Vernon Kay with Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> and well... Mika was very keen to point that out. And the other thing I noticed is, um, I can't remember their name, but there's those two girls who live in Leeds. Are they sisters? I can't remember. Yeah, they're sisters, in, or yeah. as I know them, is... as in Leeds, yeah. Is there um gimmick to speak in unison all the time because that it, it was the thing they showed in the preview and they did it i think they must have done it here because i've noted it down they did um, it at some point yeah. during this bit come to think of it i can think of like previous episodes i've seen where the intro was them speaking in unison so maybe but again i feel like yeah. that's played up to the... it was con- 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 contrived right yeah yeah okay. cassius was the wrestler's name by the way this, 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 this. Okay, show number two. This is where we um, really enter reacception because um, this is people reviewing, random people reviewing the news. So that makes us random people reviewing the news, reviewing random people <laughs> reviewing the news. It does. Um, uh, one thing this reminded me of, right, is a thing I've always noticed about Gogglebox is alongside the one show, it is the king of classic, awkward, tonal shifts. And it's not helped by um, <laughs> the voiceover guy, Dave from the Royal Family. So yeah. they'll be, I mean, typically, this isn't, they didn't do it in this episode, actually. This is referring to Prince Philip's uh, death and yes. Um But in previous episodes, they had something where, like, some really depressing TV show where, you know, someone's been murdered, brutally stabbed to death. Um, and then all the people are like crying and their reactions and it's all very emotional. And then Dave from the Royal Family will go, meanwhile, in Barn in Barnchester or wherever. Barnchester? <laughs> in is the that most... a place? No, I, it just came up 
you know, I just I couldn't think of a real place. I kind of thought of Barnsley and then kind of gave up halfway through. So, but he'll say it in the most cheery way, and I'll suddenly start watching some trash like the Real Housewives of Cheshire or something, and it'll just be a complete or, uh, awkward tonal I can't shift. believe I can't believe the one Gogglebox episode we picked was not one with uh, Naked Attraction on. Which, by the way, we've got to do a review of Naked Attraction at yeah, some well, point. Well, that's the main thing of this show is. Finding stuff for us to do a review yeah. of because there's so much and of it. The funny thing is, Gogglebox seems to do naked attraction all the time. Because, well, I guess for obvious reasons, because there's always going to be a story coming out of that show. But as you pointed out earlier, with this Philip news story, which they were watching, it kind of brings up what you said about how we are basically just watching people reacting. Like, I called it a review show at the start of the show, but it's not really a review show. It's just people stating the obvious and going, oh, and oh, the amount of times, like they yeah. were showing a clip from a show and it was just people going, oh, or ooh, or I think uh, there was a show later on that I'm sure we'll get into. And that's what it is. It's just people stating the obvious. So like yeah. there's the queen, there's the image that has been circulating of the queen sat on her own because obviously this is a, a scaled down funeral in a pandemic and she sat on her own apart from everyone else and so the role of the watchers on gogglebox here is just to go oh look at her it's so sad like what what i mean i, yeah. I don't know if it's a trick being played on us here because we're watching this show and we're literally just watching people say what everyone you know would think when they see something like that so literally cut out the middle man just watch the news <laughs> you know cut out the middle man yeah. just watch the program they're reviewing because they're not actually they're not doing a, a mark kerr mode where they're giving us an opinion on this film or saying whether we should go and go back and watch it or anything like that they're literally just reacting and it's like more for me because I'm reacting to them reacting and getting really annoyed about it. So that's where it got to me. Like they're in, they've done 17 seasons or series of this show. Like, and we've been, people have been watching it for that long, but there's no actual point to it when you think yeah, about it's, it. It's totally mindless. Yeah. I mean, I get that. The new segment was more interesting and more informative than the reactions. And I don't even think that... I think React content can be done quite well. I've definitely seen React stuff on YouTube. Oh, I can't stand where... those videos. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen stuff where you have, like, um, someone reacting to, like, classic songs for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, a lot of them are kind of like, you know, they're just playing a song and going, like, wow, that's good. And, you know, and, you know, it's really like they're not saying anything. But I have seen versions where people have actually had insightful commentary into the into the music and they, you kind of get a different kind of perspective on stuff. Yeah, it's different, it's this, different if, as you, you say, if, if it's people but know a subject or like they're watching things with a genuine yeah, interest. These people are just told what to watch and to react to it. And to me, that's not entertaining. Yeah, it's just... Another thing I thought was it, it often feels at times at the show just people trying to get their like one-liners in. Yeah, exactly, the, which um, is what the brother the and sister do, which is what annoys me about them. Because like, the they're constantly just point. going like, got to think of all that. But that's what, that's what the format of the show demands, though. 
because that's the only thing that gets remembered. But it's not natural, is it? Um, Surely the format of the show is to get natural takes from people. And at the end of the day, you just get them reacting, playing to the camera. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? With that said, on my so, family watch, I, there, there were some glimpses of Siddiqui's who I think yeah. they should use a lot more because they do occasionally actually say something other than, oh, yeah, but they, they they use the you know the ones that you know get the most uh, you know the most memeable people get the more reactions. In in stark contrast, back to my favourite family with their anal cakes. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a quote during this Prince Philip funeral segment. The mum of this family said, and I quote: "I'm sure the country wouldn't have minded if the Queen broke the rules for this funeral." cough seriously no like no that's, well, exa that's exactly the the attitude which gets people into incredibly privileged positions because they're allowed to break the rules and we're not how many people do you think have gone to funerals and have obeyed the rules and like had to you know some people didn't have anyone at their funeral apart from maybe like one or two people so why 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 does this woman think that the queen has the right to go and hug someone and nobody else does. Oh yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get too political with this, but no, um, I feel it's, um, you know, there, there will be people out there who are kind of like bemoaning all of the coverage of the print of Prince Philip's funeral mm -hmm. and everything. You know, why would you want to watch a funeral for one thing is quite depressing. A lot of people but did. A lot I of people feel, tuned in. I, I feel if this, I feel one thing, one thing that could come out of this would be giving, you know, your ordinary person a more kind of, you know, the fact they did obey the rules and that the, you know, the queen was forced to sit on her own. That should kind of like, I would think it would open, hopefully open some people's eyes to kind of like the realities of like, yeah, this is like horrible. And this is what people have had to go through throughout this pandemic. People who've lost loved ones and they haven't been able to say goodbye in the, in the way they would like because of the restrictions, because of, because of this virus. You know, to the point that even the even the queen, the queen's husband, you know, doesn't, you know, there's no rule breaking allowed for him. Um, I think that's like a, almost a positive thing that can come out of like televising this stuff because, you know, hopefully it opens some people's eyes. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. It should be a more, oh, fair play to the queen. You know, it did show some humanity in the royal family as well. And it did show that, yeah, they, they are, you know, obeying rules and going through the pandemic like the rest of us are but no don't give her don't give people extra privileges for for you know just because they're in the public eye you know that's that's exactly how problems start so anyway yeah this family annoyed me i'm sure they're lovely yeah. people so um we are spared the aforementioned um awkward shift in tone by an advert break and this is when i turned to mim and i said um how long is this show? And she said it was an hour. And then I said, what? This. So we come back and um, I realised they must have been pretty short on television this week because we then are treated to their reactions of the show Four in a Bed, which again, the commentary was very obvious and I didn't learn anything from this whatsoever. Aside from realising we have to do a review of four in a bed because <laughs> this is That's review a... fodder right you know 
we could have some excellent content out of this. The, because, uh, the, the also commentary on this, aside from a couple of brummies getting really excited to see Birmingham on TV. <laughs> <laughs> the be, before before that, uh, yeah, you, you you have a hit the nail on the head. This is this is surely becoming a theme of this particular episode. That this is just giving us ideas. This is literally a brainstorming session. This Gogglebox review, but, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, <laughs> the thing I noted before they started watching Four in a Bed was so straight away they do their thing. So Giles and Mary, the only two I actually do know the names of, because I do find them relatively amusing in this. Or, like one uh, thing I noticed about him was he refers to Mary by name constantly. Mary, yeah, or or yeah. as Nutty. They call each other Nutty. Oh, do they? They're yeah. so posh. They <laughs> they, yeah, they, they have every stereotype possible on this show, including yeah. posh people, northern people, old people. Well, they've got to get the like, like you know, you got to get to be fair. It's a quite a diverse crowd in that sense, but. What I did want to point out about when they went to Giles and Mary, so Dave did his in Wiltshire, and then yeah. I noted how whilst wearing black, because if you notice, Giles and Mary since Prince Philip have died have been wearing black on Gogglebox. What? <laughs> yes, <laughs> when I did see the previous episode, and when the the Prince Philip news bit was shown on that episode, the next the television after that Giles and Mary started wearing black for every TV program. So we'll, we'll see when they stop wearing black, I guess. But anyway, so whilst wearing black, keep this in mind, whilst wearing in black, <laughs> whilst wearing black for out of respect for the dearly departed Prince Philip, <laughs> Mary began to talk about how she enjoyed being frisked. <laughs> See, you secretly enjoy this, you see. This is like, I think I must have laughed at something like this because... Well, there's the occasion, there is you're the pretending there. you don't enjoy this, but you're giggling at this. It's like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, That's where the appeal comes from. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, and also during Four in a Bed as well, as we move on to this show, the annoying family had their second array of anally placed cakes. The first array was donuts. The second array was French fancies. Um, there was a lot of discussion about some poached eggs, right? And I 100% agreed with Giles. The poached eggs provided by the um, four in a bed B&B owner looked anemic as... I didn't um, see... I did not look edible. I, I think it might depend on your telly because they looked quite brightly coloured. The yolk looked fine on my telly. What I did note about this particular hotelier was why was he... I think, I think some of the people actually noted this as well on the show. Why was his hotel seemingly down a seedy back alley? <laughs> why, why was it, it an enormous... Like a very or, it had a very ornate, like, reception area. It had an incredibly <laughs> ornate had... reception, but it was, like, built next to a railway bridge. Do you think he just happened to have that property or he was looking for a property to set up his hotel and he just decided yes this giant council block in a back alley in the middle of birmingham is the place to set up my business i do not know um and i don't want to know i also i think this is where the blackpool pair started to get my nerves a bit because i realized that their shtick is just to loudly react to things. Yeah, that's this, that's the story of this whole episode with all of them, though, loudly reacting to things. Case in point, when they go to the scene with the hair in the egg, like, <laughs> the two sisters go 
absolutely wild for this hairy egg. They like go, ah, like it's the most thrilling thing they've ever seen. Like, do you not know what happens on this four in a bed show? That's basically <laughs> the whole thing. Some really finickety hoteliers pick apart each other's work so they can win. That's what the show is. Why are you reacting in this way? Yeah, I, I don't realise. But anyway, as I said, all this made me realise is that we should review Four in a Bed. <laughs> show number four that they review or react to is um, UK Catfish. But before this, there's a bizarre random tanning inspection thing with the... Uh, Ellie, Ellie and Izzy, I noted, noted their names, the two sisters. Go. Yeah, that, I didn't Leeds. get that at all. Don't care. Do not care about your fake tan. Why are we watching this? Yeah. This is an entertainment to me. I no, don't understand I mean, I also, how this is entertaining. The, the, again, this is another example of like the show they're reacting to is where all of the interest lies. So I'm not sure if I want to watch this so show So why or not, aren't you properly I... reviewing it? That's Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Give I me an interesting like... take on it or say something funny about it. Well... The thing is, I have an interesting take on this that's, you know, that's not related to the show itself. That was, that, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is more interesting than anything they had to say. And that's the, um, the guy who's presenting this, Uber, he actually is famous for producing um, a, a kind of a YouTube video such documentary thing where he um, set up the highest rated uh, restaurant in London on TripAdvisor that didn't actually exist. So he got his. That, that um, was him. Ah, yeah. Okay. The shed at the shed at Dulwich or whatever. Yes, I remember um, this. It's how he got into all of his catfishing thing because when that um, kind of went viral, mm. he was doing all of his interviews. He realised that he didn't have to go to the interviews himself. So he like got lots of lookalikes to pretend to be him on like all of these TV shows around the world. Like he had sent a guy to like an Australian channel like a Japanese channel. And obviously the people interviewing them, they don't care what he looks like or not what he looks like. That's so, fascinating. That's so he got really, away with it. That is really clever though. He's literally, he's he's essentially made himself a career out of cat. He's become a professional catfish. Yeah. That's incredible. And, and I was kind of thinking like about this show, like I don't know if there's any point watching it because I kind of feel like it's just going to be a collection of people getting very obviously scammed mm. by by horrible people. Yeah. Um, At the start of this yeah. review, by the way, we got our first clips of the first clip of I. <laughs> again, without going political on it, but the first clip of what I've forever known them as of the UKIP family, who are very briefly shown on every episode I see these days. Like for a split second, they get like a couple of lines out of them, and that's all they get because they don't. I don't know whether they don't want the dad to go into a political tirade or what, but. It's just funny whenever you see the split second glimpse of the Ukit family and their hideously garish furniture. They don't have the um, the kind of like old socialist grandpa guy who sadly passed away a few years ago anymore to counterbalance the uh, Ukit family, maybe. So yeah, the uh, the poor the poor woman on this catfish show, who like bless her really. I mean. I mean, she wasn't that old either. I think it really highlighted a certain kind of person who can quite easily be fooled on the internet. And, like, she was obviously blinded by, whether you call it lust or whatever, by this quite obviously fake man who was suddenly attracted to her online. 
it's obviously not a thing to most people, but as soon as like the the images of the like perfectly chiselled man began to appear to her, did she not start to question? Hang on, is this guy for real? Like, to, to, to I'm sure it's. A well, she must have done to a degree to kind of get on the program, right? So, like the fact she was. Well, asking she did eventually it when it showed... got so extreme, but like. At the start, did, did she not even question yeah. in her mind for a second? I mean, it's it's so sad at the end of that because it, you know, obviously had a severe effect on her emotionally. Like she looked like she was about to burst into tears. The whole thing, because not only had she been essentially heartbroken, but she'd also been made to look a fool at the same time. So yeah, I mean, fair play to her, I guess, for appearing on this program. But also at the same time, I'm kind of like you kind of just want to take people like that to the side and just say. Just think, think for a second about this. You know, is this too good to be true? I'm sure we, we're all guilty of it in some way with a lot of things, but it's kind of like the the Nigerian prince scamming old people emails. You know, I mean, I guess there has to be a first few people who do fall for it before people realise it's uh, a thing. But with this catfishing phenomenon seems to be a thing that's been around for a long time now you you think that there most people would have it in their consciousness and obviously it's not the case yeah so after this we move on to my favorite show <laughs> we did our own awkward segue there from a very serious oh, yeah. point into a well we're taking inspiration of gogglebox to fault of the show because we now have Share and the loneliest elephant. <laughs> Once again, something I think we have to review. This. So, am I to believe that? So, Share discovered that there's an elephant that had been stuck in a horrible zoo mm -hmm. in Pakistan for um, 35 years. And she was determined to free this one elephant. And then the Pakistani government did her one better and closed down the evil zoo. Um, and then, you know, white saviour complex personified Cher flies to Pakistan and frees the elephant. I can't remember what the elephant's name was. Um, but she then frees the elephant and then sings her number one hit, Do You Believe in Life After Love? Is that what she the is that what she sung to? I couldn't actually No, I don't no, I don't think I think she sang one of her other songs, but I think they were playing that throughout it, yeah. They were playing that when she was um flying across the globe on like uh, in an aeroplane. The most auto tuned um, song of all time. <laughs> yeah. I mean I will say that from your favourite um Blackpool sibling partnership, the impression that the impression that the girl did, um, I've forgotten her name, Pete and what is the name? Something, yeah. Um, Sophie was spot on. So thumbs up for that, you know, got that right. Wait, what, wait, what, what did they say? Uh, so it was an impression of Cher, Cher saying something like, um, oh, I don't know, is this the elephant or something? I can't remember what Cher said. But, she said something ridiculous. But... At the same time you're saying this, this also highlights what the main problem with this show is, which we've said before. It's just people reacting, either reacting with a shocked face or a noise or, or well, two other things, actually, making, stating the obvious or just repeating 
the line that the person on the telly has said before them. Case in point, literally one of the only, one of maybe two or three lines from the UKIP family on this was when they were describing how long the elephant had been in captivity for, and they said he'd been in captivity for 35 years. The first bit of dialogue we get from the UKIP family is just the mum saying, 35 years? How is that entertainment? This is literally just someone repeating something, which I've seen said once yeah, they're, before. They're, they're but, telling me something I've seen on TV. Yeah, yeah so, so why, what, again, why do we need this middleman? Why do we need these people to say 35 years for us? I think it just, like, it's... Uh, it's just such All a I disappointment know. to me, Ian. It's so disappointing that telly like this is what is popular. And even myself, I am guilty. I've seen dozens of episodes of Gogglebox. And I look at myself, I'm like, why am I watching this? Because I'm just basically watching um, people react to shows, which I could have gone and watched and reacted in my own way myself. It's just, it's such mediocrity. And it's, it's a time sold. Filler. It's sold, yeah, and it's sold as good television because it's reality, which I think is the biggest problem with television in this day. It's like it's good because it's people being real, but at the end of the day, these people aren't being real because they're all playing up to the camera. And it's the same with other reality television you get, which is you know semi-scripted or whatever. So none of it's, it's... reality, is it? It's not. It's not what it used to be, where like even in the early days of Big Brother where like you, you threw some people into a house as an experiment and see how they behave. At least those people were, they may have been playing up to the cameras a little bit, but you also seen the moments where they weren't playing up to the cameras. But what are we actually gaining from what Gogglebox is giving us? Because it's just people reacting and I, it's such fodder it's such yeah lazy television in a weird way like at the start it may have been revolutionary but we've got we've had 17 series now of the same thing and people continue <clears throat> to tune in in their droves and i'm one of them and i just don't get it why am i doing it what the hell is wrong with me i'll tell you what the purpose of this show is david is to give us top quality ideas of oh. stuff to review like, like share and the loneliest elephant. What what a story! Like, yeah. That could be that could be a best-selling children's novel. Share and the loneliest elephant. Can you imagine? It would sell hotcakes. Let's get writing it right now. This this review is a is the world's greatest brainstorming <laughs> session. A classic line I've just remembered from this as well. I can't remember who it was. I it might have it might have even been the Manchester family, but don't don't take that as gospel. But one of them says, and I quote. This elephant doesn't know who he's got behind him, does he? Like, no, he's an elephant. <laughs> like, Someone also like imagine, imagine if the elephant had a like, <laughs> whilst it, after being in captivity for thirty-five years, suddenly this crowd of people came up to him, and this woman starts singing, and he turns around with with his elephant head and goes, "Oh my God, that's Cher." <laughs> well, um. In the show itself, Cher kind of goes up to the elephant and says, like, Hi, I'm Cher. It's so nice to meet you. And then someone, <laughs> one of them, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Lee, um, I hope it was Lee, goes, <laughs> as if that's the elephant responding. 
That was the most witty moment of a show. Oh dear. So, so yeah. So we'll review that. Um, next on the list, um, this is starting to get into. I mean, I'll get more into it when we go through Line of Duty. But this is the other thing that I find annoying about this show, mm. and it also makes me question who the audience is. Is this show loves spoiling stuff? <laughs> oh my god. Well, I think the I've idea is. Seen... Yeah. I've never seen Paranormal Activity. I might have maybe wanted to watch it one day. I don't need to watch it anymore because they told me the entire plot. They literally showed and, you the end scene, didn't they? Come to think of it. I mean, to be fair, the film is like, what, 10, 15 years old or something at this point. And it's, there is like four or five of them now. No, I think there's six of them. Actually, oh, I looked it up in Wikipedia. Um, but again, like the reactions here were completely pointless because all of the reactions were people going, ah, and OMG, what is that? And um, a dog kind of doing something and, you know, making everyone on edge. <laughs> well, I should have looked um, at what the dog was doing. That might have been vaguely interesting. Yeah, that it was. This is how meta this review is, Ian. I think this shows how meta this review is because <laughs> I was sort of watching the clips from the film, like waiting for the bit where I get the jump scare at the same time as watching people get jump scares. It was a very strange paradox I was in. The the one thing I will point out, do you remember a few years ago, Ian, I worked on a, an independently low-budget made film called The Mirror? Yes, go on. So, yeah, I was on this... Like, I, I mean, it, it, it divided opinion, this film that I worked on. But, you know, it was, it was fun to work on. There was a good team worked on it. I enjoyed working on it very much. But... I didn't realise what a rip-off our film was of Paranormal Activity. <laughs> because we, I don't know, the very first clips of Paranormal Activity they show of the guy setting up, like, the cameras to say, oh, we're going to catch this activity on the cameras. Like, that pretty much that exact thing happens in the film we made, which is was like, oh, my God. Like, was this some sort of like subconscious thing the director did where he didn't realize it like because found footage films are you know they it's such an oversaturated market it's i mean true. since since the blair witch uh product uh, project yeah. right i mean it's been a thing i mean I think paranormal activity was like a natural extension of that so i mean it was a big i mean there's a reason why they've made like a hundred of them since then and you know so yeah in conclusion i've never seen paranormal activity and now i don't need to Mm -hmm. um, Spooky, isn't it, Nutty? said Giles. This. 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 Is a review. Show number seven. We get back to reviewing the news where um, Keir Starmer is chucked out of a club pub by a crazy COVID idiot. This, this idiot, like. Ugh. Just like, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really seen the proper news footage, but I didn't realise he'd been on TV. And just like, mate, get a grip. They're just reviewing the news again. Well, one, um, of, one of the lines this guy said was how <laughs> he was talking about, think of how many people have died because of this lockdown. Like, what? No, that's that's not right. It's the other way round, mate. <laughs> People died because people were dying because things weren't being done, not because well, of it's like what? Well, also he's one of these people who will obviously quote the um the like one percent mortality rate or whatever 
not realizing that the issue is the transmission rate, not the mortality rate. One percent of of six million people is a lot of people, or one percent of sixty million people. If it's allowed to run rampant through the population, you'll end up killing off, you know, a good portion of like the UK population. Well, and this is so, yeah, as you said, this is the problem with these people as well. It's that like. If, you, if you're if very like if base you're... level understanding of statistics, they don't really, yeah. There's yeah. no kind of it's the... understanding of how this stuff works. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's the it's the idea that it's it's the very basic idea of like oh, it's deaths we're preventing, we're wanting to prevent, and not many people die from it. No, that's not what this is. This isn't like yes, if you're heartless enough, you to say oh, it doesn't matter if deaths are happening because it's such a small percentage. First of all, you're very heartless if you don't care that people are dying of it. Second, it's not about the deaths. It's about the strain on hospitals. Have a look what's going on in India right now. India have a huge percentage of hospitals who are running out or have run out of oxygen. What you're doing is you're preventing a strain on services so that eventually the percentage of deaths doesn't rise because if you then have people needing oxygen who literally can't get it then more people are going to die so the issue isn't that people are dying the issue is but so many people are getting sick to a level where they need to go to hospital but that will cause deaths how hard is that to understand i just don't you know yeah Anyway. And of course, this this level of commentary was completely absent from the reactions because the reactions were, you know, what they normally are. People just repeating what they're seeing, which is how we all react when we watch TV, yeah. especially the news. And this landlord's just um, making up his own science as he went along. Like, no respect for him, mate. Yeah. Read a book. <laughs> so this is show eight, Line of Duty. This is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier, how I'm not entirely sure who's supposed to be watching this. So... Is this more aimed at people who um, have seen these shows and they're just looking for other people's kind of reactions and reviews and views on them? Or are mm. they for people who haven't seen the shows and they're kind of like interested in checking them out? Because on the first kind of, um, on the first category of people, it fails because the commentary is completely absent. It's just people like saying what's going on on TV, mm. <laughs> saying what's happening on the screen. And then in the second term is a problem with this episode for me because i've never seen line of duty and oh. again you know i might have a look at line of duty in the future you know i go all the way back to season one but it's like is there any point because i've just kind of spoiled the latest well episode. ian i can tell I mean... you i can tell you now as someone who has watched i i haven't actually watched line of duty from the start i've watched the last couple of series but this told you nothing about what is going on in this show i can tell you that categorically and like I, again, saying that I don't know if you'll be much more clued up if you did watch every single series of Line of Duty because it does get that sort of twisty and turny. But it is, it is, uh, you know, entertaining. And it's a shame actually that you don't watch the show because it means I can't crack out my impressions to you of the characters, which I do every Sunday night <laughs> when Line of Duty comes on. You're missing out on that, and it means that you're missing out on some prize stuff in this episode because you haven't seen the latest series, Ian, and which is my excellent impression of the character Joe Davidson. She's a Scottish lady who's been introduced in this series who every time I see her on screen, I can't help but react to seeing her with my impressions, which is, I think you're dead sexy. <laughs> because... Sounds a bit like fat b 
bastard from Austin Powers. It does actually a bit, doesn't it? The reason that came up to me was because there is a scene a, a few episodes ago in the series where it hints at sort of that she might be attracted to one of the main characters in it. Uh, what's the woman's name? What's the character's name? Is it Kate? I think it's Kate, the character's name. See, I haven't watched that much Live Duty. And there's a little thing where it hints like that she might fancy Kate a bit because she got off, gives her a little stroke on the hand. And it's very, and ever since then, I just think, oh, I think you're dead sexy. I'm Joe Davidson. But anyway, you've ruined a part of the show for me there, so thanks. It's all your fault, Ian. More, more well... shocked gasps, I put. That's all, all the reaction to this. And, and, and Giles said, that's called a burner phone, Mary. <laughs> Another example of him <laughs> saying Mary's name. Is it, yeah, he's, he's the best thing about the show, though, isn't he? They they all have their traits, I guess. Their cat Do you know traits what, though? Okay, so Giles, like, he plays up to the camera so much. But for some reason with him, I kind of like it. <laughs> like, I think it's just because the lines are so sort of daddish. It's weirdly, they're weirdly dry, aren't they? I yeah, know. I think that's what it is. It's their, it's their, it's their classical dry British wit. And and that was the show, I guess. I mean, was that it? Let yeah, me I mean, overall, you know, I guess it's harmless, mindless TV schlock. How it's on prime time, I have no idea. I guess people think it's wholesome. To be honest with you, I find Dave from the royal family's voiceover a bit annoying, especially his cadence. The show ended with the every the brother and sister, their favourites, as you called them. And I was writing how I was just waiting for them to crack a rubbish joke at the end. And I was waiting for the punchline. And I was waiting for the punchline. And I was waiting for the punchline. And then it never came and the show ended. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Go the on. show. I guess it gets um, Don Lewis's attorney looking through... Um, boring power of attorney documents out of 10. Okay. Two stars. I don't even know our own rating system. Two stars. Okay. This is actually you know, this is actually quite a hard one for me to to give a, an overall score, you know. And I have watched a lot more of this than I should be willing to admit, really. So does that show that I kind of enjoyed this show? Am I, am I guilty of what I was criticising? I'm watching it, and I know there's going to be something that really annoys me, but it's almost uh, yeah, a, a masochistic sort of thing I do. Like I, I'm, I'm watching it to be annoyed, and I'm kind of enjoying being annoyed at it because it's eliciting I mean, a re reaction out of me. So you've got, you've got, you know, a couple of options. So is it bad enough to go in the bin? No, is it's, it def it's definitely to... not that that bad. No. This is what I will say. If it was, if the whole show, which let's face it, it practically is, was literally those two siblings and that Mancunian family with the dogs and their cakes, then it would be, it wouldn't be in the special Hayden Christensen bin, because come on, you had to be absolutely bottom of the barrel for that. But it would be as low a rating as possible. But I'll tell you what it is about this show. As I said at the very start, it's just disappointing to me in a way because I think it actually could be so much more if they if they got actual reactions of what these people is, actually I, thought about I, television they're watching. 
Yeah, so I think another problem is it can't be like that. So you can't have a show on TV where you're basically... I mean, but then you do have, like, review shows where people slag off TV shows. I mean, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> I know. I mean, but we're not, like, on Channel 4, are we? I mean, mm. we wish we were on Channel 4. God, could um, you imagine? <laughs> but... But I don't know, like the way it's kind of presented, it's a bit too wholesome. So no one can have any like strong, you know, offensive opinions about a TV show. Yeah. And also, are we are we reviewing like, like, like Prince Philip thing? Right. You know, in theory, one of those people could have been a massive like Republican who hates the royal family mm. and, and all of the coverage it got. They would never show anyone being critical they never say I hate this show on that show. No, I can talk with the kind of analysis that we give shows on this show. But I mean, we don't really do analysis either. I mean, no. I'm not pretending that this. Yeah, but, but again, if there was just like even reaction that wasn't just like a noise or, as I said, repeating the line which they just read on the telly or not just pointing out what happened. If there was a reaction which was just like, oh, well, this has made me feel this way because... I know, obviously, that would be a very unnatural way of saying it, but not literally in that sense. But yeah, that's why I think it could be so much more in a way. Like, if you actually got the opinions of these real people on these shows, which isn't... Which, which would be different to having a professional reviewer like Mark Kermode reviewing something, you know, then you, I think you've actually got an interesting kind of show there. So, again, it's a difficult one for me to review because I know I will probably watch it again. Something that will mark this episode slightly up in my estimation, despite how incredibly dry this was for even an episode of Gogglebox, was that they didn't have possibly one of the most annoying tropes this show has, along with the cakes that I normally can't stand. That is, but they didn't have the clip of a popular TV show coming on and all of the families, like a split-second clip of them all singing along to the theme tune. They do that on Gogglebox so often and it does my nutting every time I see it. And they do it nearly every episode and they didn't do it on this episode, which may be part of the reason why it was so dry this time around. I don't know. But and yeah, it's actually come to think of it like the siblings dry rather than hateful. Yeah. The, the, like... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in what might surprise some people, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and go for the power of eternity documents. Give it a solid two star, which I'm surprised at myself. I'm actually giving this because I thought a record I'd... high. <laughs> that that was our review of of Gogglebox. I guess it's Naked Attraction next. There you go. I've decided, ladies and okay. gentlemen. Uh, Ian, say goodbye <sighs> to the people. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Um, I'm trying to work out what my Gogglebox trait will be. Um... Ah. <laughs> That was a review. Ah!